Ernest, what's up? Y'all know I'm big on doing your research, sharing your research, and giving credit to where you found the research. But I always get asked the same question. Where do I start with the research? And the answer is easy. It's our sponsor, Yahoo Finance. Whether I'm tracking the daily movement of my favorite companies, doing technical analysis with their easy-to-use charting platform, or checking balance sheets, Yahoo Finance makes something very complex simplified. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or you're looking for extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. You could actually securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including your 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors. And it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. With a community of over 90 million users each month, their real strength is helping you on your way to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com. The number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. You heard me, yahoofinance.com. Don't wait, don't hesitate. I use it. You should go over there and start using it now. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Ernest, what's up? Look, today I wanna talk to you about something that's been on my mind a real weight on my shoulders. You know, we all have these moments, big or small, that just stick with us. When we don't talk about these things, then they can start to affect our lives in unexpected ways. That's why having a space to express these feelings is so important. I know firsthand the benefits of therapy. It's been transformative for my friends and family. Therapy can help you learn crucial skills like setting boundaries and developing coping strategies. It's not just about dealing with major events. It's also about enhancing your day-to-day life, allowing you to become the best version of yourself. So if you've been thinking about therapy, BetterHelp can be a great option for you. It's entirely online, which makes it super convenient and adaptable to your busy schedule. You start by filling out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can even switch therapists at any time if you feel the need without any additional cost. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash earn your leisure today to get 10% off your first month. Remember, that's betterhelp, H E L P.com slash earn your leisure. Don't wait, don't hesitate, head over there now. Behind every wise man is a trail of pain. So the reason I have all the right answers because I tried all the wrong ways. I didn't get this far by thinking I knew everything. I got this far because I was willing to admit I didn't know everything. It's very hard for people to get in front of people they look up to and admire or want to work with and, and collaborate with and tell them you don't know everything. Fake it till you make it. Don't let them, that's a lie. Don't, don't follow that motto because you're going to end up on the work site or in the workplace having said you could do some shit and then you can't perform and you can't come through and now that's your reputation. So if you don't know, tell somebody you don't know. If you want to know, ask somebody. My graduates from my school being Forbes, backdrop, backdrop, <laughs> a mic drop, backdrop, backdrop.
All right. So I need everybody to get on their feet, and I need I need you to be extremely quiet because it's very rare that you have an opportunity to hear from a legend. So we have to we have to show all of our legends the respect that they deserve. Very important, especially being in the state of Texas. Very important. So Bun B, somebody that you know, we from New York, but we heard the music, and especially when sure, Big sure. Pippin came out, obviously that changed everything for us. But you know. Only, not only respect his musical side, but just a very intelligent, articulate person. And every time I hear him speak, it's just very impressive. So we're honored that he's taking time out of his day to have a conversation with us. And he's actually going to have a performance later on. So anything you want to say before we bring him up? I mean, this is the trillist of the trill, right? You know I mean? Inventor, inventor. The, the inventor of trill, man. So it's an honor. I know he's a Texas legend. He's a Houston legend. But he's Port a rap Arthur, legend. Port Arthur, Texas. Port Arthur. But, you know, we... We, we, the triangle, you know we, we know, we know a few things about this Texas thing. But yeah, man, anytime we get to talk to legends, it's always an honor, man. So let's do it. Let's get this going. Let's do it. But we ready, bro. The legendary Trill OG B himself, y'all. Thank you, brothers. Thank you, brothers, for having me. I'm, I'm happy to be here. How you doing, everybody? This is the first South by I've been to in a long time where it ain't like 90 degrees. <laughs> but instead, it's like 50 degrees. <laughs> they, yeah, well, they, they heard that there was some New York dudes coming down. They said, Let, let's adjust the temperature. So you brought that with you. <laughs> All right, that's what's up. That's what's up. Nah, first and foremost, thank you for joining us, brother. Appreciate it. Um, I'm blessed, man. Happy to have this opportunity to speak with y'all, to speak to these beautiful people here and give up some game. Let's do it. So let's jump right into it. Um, obviously, this is South by Southwest Music Week. So we're going to be talking about a lot of things, but I want to start with the music because I know there's some, some entertainers and some artists in here. Um, how have you seen a music game, especially in the South, transition? When you started, I think y'all guys came out in 1987. Mm. So that's crazy. That's like 35 years. Most artists don't last two years. <laughs> so how have you seen it transition over the course of almost four decades of hip-hop? It's really been about how open you are to change. Um, the world is going to change. Life is going to evolve. And most people try to hold on to what's comfortable and what's common and what's, what's normal to them. But the reality is, is at some point, no matter what it is you love to do and whatever it is that you want to be a part of, there's going to be changes. Life is cyclic and everything inside of life is cyclic. So where you enter into something is not necessarily where you're going to always be. The company is going to evolve. The industry is going to evolve. If you're a musician, the genre is going to evolve and expand and you have to be ready to expand with it. I saw music go from Literally, when I came in, it was cassette tapes and vinyl. Then it went to CDs, and then it went to MP3s, right? So there were many people in the generation before me that weren't ready to evolve when I came in the game. There was also, when social media and the internet came in, there were people from my generation who did not want to evolve and change with the game. And now they're behind at a point where I'm not sure if they're going to be able to catch back up. You know what I'm saying? Even myself, I was a little late to getting into social media, the internet, and really exploring those opportunities. But I'm still way ahead of a lot of my contemporaries. And, you know, I have young people in my house. I have young people in my circumference. And I listen to them. I talk to them. And I, I find out, like, you know, what is the new ways that y'all are engaging in things, right? Like, may, maybe I don't make the music that you listen to, but how are y'all communicating with each other? What Do I have to dance to go viral on TikTok? Like, 
And the reality is, as things change, you will not be a complete and perfect fit in everything. But I do believe you can always find a place in the culture. A perfect example that I always use is my brother, Kay Slay. Um, Kay Slay came in as a graffiti artist, moved into trying to be an MC, became a DJ, and that's where he found his true calling. And now he's been able to build a, a substantial a group of followers, uh, a substantial business, and consistent revenue stream by not being a, a, afraid to go with the changes and being willing to make changes and adapt in the moment. And for young people like yourselves, because well, you got to be young because I'm the oldest person here, so everybody here is young. Look, take full advantage of everything you see. You have a lot of platforms available to you as an artist. Exploit all of them. There has never been a better time for a content creator than now. Never before has more power been available to the artist than now. I advise everybody to take advantage of it. I had an Uber driver the other day, and um, he was like, yo, I'm glad you're in the car. I would love to play you some music because I've been thinking about putting it out. I'm like, you can play it for me, but it don't matter. I can tell you now, put it out. <laughs> whatever you got in that phone, whatever it is you're thinking, of, what, put all that shit out. Because I may not like it, but what they've got to do with that don't mean shit. I've been wrong several times in life, you know, especially with music. Um, I have no idea what everybody's going to like. I know what I like. I know what the people that have been supporting me up to this point like. I know what the changes we've been all living through. And I try to put that into the music. But as far as what's next, I have no idea what's next. You know what I'm saying? What's next is probably sitting in this room or standing upstairs. You know what I'm saying? So... Don't let the people that you look up to that you think have good musical taste, don't let them stop you if they don't like what you're doing. They probably just got lucky than a motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? Everybody that's here did not get here by hard work and talent. You know, some people got here because they was in the right place at the right time. Some people got here because of who they knew. You know what I'm saying? But the reality is, is that you have no idea whether or not you're going to get there. So throw all that shit up against the wall. Throw everything you got up against the wall. Put everything you got out there for the world to see. And then go home and make some more and put that shit out. You know what I'm saying? Because even if you don't make it, at least you can say you tried and you should be able to live with yourself. Yeah, well, I mean, when you're talking, I, I hear the humility, I hear the modesty, and I hear the, the ability to adapt. One of the things that I've heard in a bunch of interviews is your willingness to learn and surrounding people that have more knowledge than you. Is that something that you've always known that was the key to some of your successes? Or did you have to go through some experience to say, all right, I learned the hallway enough. I got to choose this route. I mean, there's a little bit of both. You know what I'm saying? Behind every wise man is a trail of pain. You know what I'm saying? So for me to be able to talk to somebody and they be like, well, this is what I think I want to do. And I give them some advice. Man, you know so much. I was like, yeah, because I did that and I fucked up and it didn't work. So the reason I have all the right answers because I tried all the wrong ways. You know what I'm saying? So things that seem profound is really just based off of me dropping the ball completely. You know what I'm saying? A couple of years ago or what have you. But the reality is, is that I've been able to persevere. I've learned a lot of things and it's important to pass that information on. You know what I'm saying? By token, it's also important for me to still learn things. Right. I didn't get this far by thinking I knew everything. I got this far because I was willing to admit I didn't know everything. It's very hard for people to get in front of people they look up to and admire or want to work with and, and collaborate with and tell them you don't know everything. 
you always want to see him in a moment like you you got all your shit together, right? Fake it till you make it. Don't let them. That's a lie. Don't don't follow that motto because you're gonna end up on the work site or in the workplace having said you could do some shit and then you can't perform or you can't come through and now that's your reputation. You know what I'm saying? So if you don't know, tell somebody you don't know. If you want to know, ask somebody. You would be surprised how many people would love to pass this game on, but probably a lot of times people come up to them acting like they know every goddamn thing. Right? When people, someone comes up to me as an artist and says, hey man, I want to play this song for you. Tell me what you think. They don't really want me to tell them what I think. They want me to reinforce what they already believe. People ask for criticism all the time and are almost seldom uh, uh, really available to receive it. And that's where it comes from. You got to be humble enough to ask for criticism and then even more humble to accept the criticism. So if you want to walk in the room and act like you know everything, that's cool. But most people can spot a, a poser a mile away. If you get in the room and you're around people, ask questions. When people come up and try to act, yeah, B, you know, I'm doing my thing, whatever. You cocky, okay, well, you know everything, good. Well, I don't need to tell you nothing. But if people come up, hey, man, I'm trying to do this, and man, I, I, I never thought I'd see you in this place, and I, if you could just give me some, some game or some direction or something, I'll do my best to try to do something for that person. I can't give everybody my phone number. I can't give everybody my email. But in that interaction, just the fact that you're showing me that you're passionate about learning and advancing your craft. I, if I can't help you in the moment, my assistant manager, Eric, is always with me. We always try to make some kind of connection with people so we can at least guide them in the right direction. You just got to be willing to ask. A closed mouth will never get fed. So that's clap it up for that. A lot of applause there. A lot of that's gems right crap. there. Um, so let me ask you this, because I feel like me and Troy, we grew up on rap, but we can't rap. But... <laughs> <laughs> what we did do was use a lot of things that we saw in rap and use it to business principles that we actually apply to this day. Like even no other platform was like going around doing networking. We did like networking events all over the country. That was like an in-store signing. That's what I saw from it. Like I saw Rockaway. I saw all of those clothing lines. So that's like when we started our clothing. Like, you know, it's a good way to brand. A lot of different things that we did, we modeled after music. I say that to say... You was on one of the most legendary record labels of all time, one of the most legendary CEOs of all time, Jay Prince. How was that experience? What did you learn from Jay Prince? And, um, like, you know, you at the forefront of the Texas movement. So, like, how was that learning it from the business side, from one of the best business people that ever did it? It was, for me, just really sitting back and trying to pay attention to everything that Jay Prince was doing because his portfolio is so diversified, right? As far as just normal real estate investments, um, stock market. I mean, I'm wearing a hat now, um, Prince Beef, because I have a new burger venture, Trill Burger. So I went out to the ranch yesterday, like they had me over to go look at the cows. You know what I'm saying? So for one, from a brand and marketing aspect, Bun B and Jay Prince getting together to, to you know, using Bumby making his burgers from Jay Prince beef, that sounds good. You know what I'm saying? That's encouraging and inspiring to people. These are two people I look up to. They're working together, breaking bread. That's a, a good thing. But then, like, on the other side, like, going out to a ranch on an estate, like, Jay Prince got creeks, he got ponds, and he got a lake. Like, I, don't, I ain't never knew nobody had their own lake. <laughs> like, it's real. It's, it's his lake. Like, you could drive for, like, five minutes and still be on Jay Prince's property. You know what I'm saying? And 
at first I looked at it like, yo, this is dope to have this house with all this land. And that's nice from a real estate aspect. But then the fact that he's able to also utilize the land. Like, I remember at one point, Jay Prince was making like over $700,000 a year on hay. What's up, y'all? Are y'all interested in trying something fresh, something new? Well, check out Seagram's Escapes, the iconic flavored malt beverage love for flavor, color, and relaxation. With over more than 15 fruit-forward flavors, including the perfectly sweet and tart blueberry acai lemonade, they're the perfect treat. Man, that blueberry acai lemonade is a refreshing blend of tart lemon and sweet blueberry flavors. It's a fan fave, and its blue color is guaranteed to pop on your Final Four IG stories. So whether you're staying at home for March Madness or you're headed out to watch the games, the sweet and refreshing flavors are a perfect pick for those that love flavor and color. With their rainbow of options, you can always find a flavor and color to match your vibe. At 3.2% APV, you can enjoy Seagram's Escapes as is or shake things up and use them as a cocktail mixer. Try pumping up your favorite flavor with the spirit of your choice or get creative with fish bowls, frozen slushies, and jello shots. The built-in flavor and color make Seagram's Escapes an easy shortcut to delicious, insta-worthy cocktails. The options are endless and Seagram's Escapes make it easy to bring them all to life with flavor and color packed in every bottle. So cheers to happiness with Seagram's Escapes and check out that blueberry acai lemonade. Sip responsibly. Thank me later, y'all. Right, which is just a byproduct that you really come up with just from having ranch land and farmland. So, you know, I always looked at getting in the music industry as not the end game, but as the beginning. Because everybody I knew in the music industry that was wealthy was, did not become wealthy by making music. They use their fame and their notoriety and the resources and relationships they built in the music industry to create strong business relationships through sponsorship or what have you. And then looking into, like, we all start off with sponsorships wanting money. Like, somebody wants to promote your product. Okay, that's cool. But as we get older and smarter, we learn about, you know, equity. It's like, I don't want the cash now. I need the long cash. Like, I'm not really hurting for money, so why would I try to nickel and dime these people out of some cash if I can put myself in a position to do long-term business with them? And so that's the kind of thing that I'm looking at with Jay Prince, like, having, you know, distribution relationships for 25, 30 years, you know, through music, having distribution through his, his cattle and his ranch and his beef for over 15 years, um, being a rancher, they're raising horses, cattle, steers, they're breeding, all of these different things that they're doing. Oh, yeah, and he's also an absolute legend in the music business. So for me, there is no limit. Whatever business acumen I learn in the music industry can almost certainly be transformed, transferred, excuse me, into other industries. You just got to find the right entry point that makes sense and the shit that you already know that'll work in the shit you're trying to do. And so that's what I look at Jay Prince. I was like, what did he learn about the music industry that showed him he could get into boxing? What did he learn about boxing that showed him he could get into beef? You know, and, and now he has a wine company. There's Loyalty Wines. It just seems like the hustle never ends. And I'm still hungry. You know what I'm saying? And I'm 20 years behind him. So if he's still hungry, I'm, I'm, I, I should not get comfortable at all. I should be constantly looking for new ways to diversify myself and my portfolio, no matter what that looks like. I mean, what you're talking about is 
it's very rare, right? Like you have somebody who's the CEO of a label and you're an artist on the label, but there's more than just that CEO artist relationship. It feels like there's a, a mentorship, a brotherhood. Is that something that you've applied? I know you had uh, Two Trill Entertainment. Is that something that you said, you know what, I need to replicate that going forward because somebody paid that to me already? I didn't necessarily look at myself as going into the music business based off of seeing Jay Prince and what he had done. But once I made a decision to go into the music business, and when I say the music business, I'm not talking about making music, putting music out. I'm talking about taking control of the business that I'm in, right? Finding ways to take the music industry and the companies out of my equation. How much of this can we honestly do on our own? How much of this record label do we really need? How much of their promotion department do we need? How much of their college radio do we need? How many of these things can we sufficiently and consistently execute ourselves at a high level? And as time went by, we realized we could do it all. You know what I'm saying? And at that point, the only reason you're signed to a record company is really for cap. You know? Just to say that you signed a deal with somebody and try to show out. But that don't really mean you making no money. You know what I'm saying? I can almost guarantee you it's designed for you to not make money, right? So I used the early years where the music industry tried to take advantage of me. I learned my lessons. I learned from my mistakes. And I found a way to eventually buy myself back out of that industry, right? Um, basically just, you know, take care of all the deals I had, all the contracts, fulfilled every obligation that I had. And now it's all on me. So whatever money that they may have beat me for in the past, it's all on me now, so I'm supposed to be able to go and get that money back, if not more. See, the music industry, entertainment in general, is designed to find you at your prime, at your best moment, but also your, your most ignorant moment, right? It's where you have the most passion and the less education. To bring you into that industry, use up all of the talent that you have inside of you so that by the time you figure out exactly how the industry works, you're no longer a valid commodity. Basically, by the time you figure out how to make some bread, ain't no bread. Look, nobody's really fucking. We're not rocking with you like that no more. You know what I'm saying? So I urge all of you to, um, to really educate yourself, not just about the music industry, but the music business. There's a lot of very subtle nuances that exist in that paperwork. You will typically get a paperwork, that a contract that'll be about, let's say, 52 pages long. You'll see five tabs. Uh, five yellow tabs on the side. Sign there. Yeah, and they'll, they'll say, you ask for this amount of money. This is where you give you that, we give you that money initial here. This is where you ask for this, this many videos initial here. You ask for this, this and that, right? But they never show you what they get. So it's up to you as an artist to know what is all on the table. Because it's not just really what you want, because you don't really know what it fully consists of. So until you know exactly what's fully available for you as a, as a business, because you're not just an artist, you're a business too. So you have to know not just what it takes to produce a record and write a rhyme and engineer and get it mixed and mastered and all of that. That's 2%. That's the easy word. Half of that shit comes with the computer you buy. It's not really difficult to do. You don't even have to be good to make successful music, but you do have to be smart to build a successful business. Before you do the art, know the business. Clap it up for that. A lot of gems. Everything you're saying is just Hold on, so poignant. We're we going pretty far in this without saying rest in peace to Pimp C. So just one time, just rest in peace that's to like, Pimp C. That's like why I understood though yeah, at yeah, this yeah, point, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rest, in, rest in peace to the Pimp.
already. That's what's up. That's what's up. So what you're saying is so crazy because United Masters, our partners in the shots, United Masters, independent. That's their whole thing is to give artists independent. And, um, you know, you always see artists becoming independent like you said, like at, at the end of their career, but like you never see like an artist who's like the hottest artist in the game at the peak of their career doing that. And um, but one thing is like with the South, it was always a certain level of independence, like from Master P to Rap a Lot to Cash Money, like Slim Thug, all slip, those guys, Slip and Slide, Slip and Slide, the whole the whole thing. So, what was that vibe in the South in Texas? Because Texas has its own culture to kind of go against the grain and have that level of independence early before it was trendy? Well, I mean, we didn't really have an option, right? We had to build a DIY platform for ourselves because we were losing based on proximity. Most of the major media outlets exist in California and New York. So let's say, uh, uh, let's say you're A&R at Sony, right? You got three demos that come across your desk, right? So... One is, a guy, one is a guy from Brooklyn, one is a guy from L.A., and one is a guy from Houston, right? So first, obviously, if you're from New York, you're going to have more proximity and more understanding about the Brooklyn artists. So you're going to be more prone to sign that record because you understand that artist and have a pretty good idea of how that record is going to be worked. Secondly, you're going to look at L.A. Well, I don't really know a lot about L.A., but Sony has an L.A. office, Right. So we can we can get some people on that and any media outlet that we have here. There's an L.A. office as well. So what I don't understand, I can call my L.A. counterparts within my corporation and get the information I need to try to get this artist out there so I can keep my job. Here's where it comes in the problem with Houston. I don't know shit about Houston. I don't know nobody in Houston and I wouldn't know where to start. They say this record's got a lot of buzz. The dude seems like a good guy, but I don't know what the fuck to do with this. And I ain't trying to lose my job trying to help some nigga from Houston get on. What is he going to do? Nine times out of ten, he's going to sign the Brooklyn artist because it's the easiest job for him, for them to do. People are not in the business of helping you. They're in the business of doing the easiest fucking job they can to keep their job. So the, least, the, the less you look like and come off as everything else that's happening, the harder your journey is going to be. That's basically what we were dealing with in Houston. We realized that no one at these companies really knew anything about our culture, about us as an artist, about our local music scene or anything. They were only calling us because we were outselling everybody locally and it had to, you know, they had to figure out what is all this shit that's going on. The problem is when you end up signing an artist and you don't really understand it, you're going to drop the ball. You're, your company's going to look bad and your artist's going to look bad. Now, all they got to do is really come down to Houston and do like they do in New York. Find out who's got their ear to the street, sign them as an A&R. That's how people like Sycamore become huge, you know, executives in the music industry. But they just didn't do that. So what were we left to do? Because we had a dollar and a dream and we weren't giving up. We started educating ourselves. Like what does a record, what does a major record company do when they're ready to sell the album? Well, they got to sell it to a wholesaler, a distributor, or a one-stop. Well, shit, where they at? 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? They got any of them here? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? We went and all the local artists went to the local wholesaler distribution house and we built personal relationships. We walked our product in personally, you know what I'm saying? These guys had our personal phone number. Whenever a store ordered a certain number, we would go by, we'd leave pictures, take pictures, do an in-store, all of that type of stuff. We ended up learning the music business without the music industry's help. Once you learn the music business and you find a way to build a revenue stream outside of the system, why sign with them? What's the purpose? What's the point? So in the initial instance of this, we were consistently undervalued, right? So the price you put on us was very low. So now if you want to do business with us, we already got bread. You got you to gotta overvalue this thing. You got to pay just for the right to do business, much less to profit. We ain't even talking about you profiting. You get to look like a competent corporation because you're doing business with me, the new wonder kid in the game that figured it out. <clears throat> and so we realized that as long as we valued ourselves, we could build a brand, we could make a connection with people, and we could eventually get to a place that we were comfortable with. Once you realize you don't need a million people to make a million dollars, you'll be a lot better off as an artist. Because numbers in that sense are cap. Like, the, how many records you sell is cap. How much money did you make off the records you sold? That's what this shit is about. So you can walk around with a platinum plaque and hold your head up high because that is, that is a major accomplishment. But you can't eat off that motherfucker. You, there is no check that comes with a platinum plaque if you don't do your business right. So you got to decide if you want to be famous or if you want to be rich. Because in the music industry and entertainment, that is on most levels two totally different things. So you don't know the richest people in entertainment. But what you, you say, don't. What you, you, say? you simply don't. You think you know because you've seen people on TV. They're nowhere near the richest people in entertainment. Puffy, Hove, Russell, maybe. But there's, there's eight other people like that. You never heard of Clarence Avon until they put the movie on Netflix. Right? That man was here instrumental behind the scenes for 40 plus years. Like, the, you don't know the richest, powerful people in entertainment. You don't. You just know who TV tells you is important. And that's true. Learn. That's true across every business. And even in, like, our space as far as social media, social media influencers are like the new artists where they're getting taken advantage of. They're not making money, but they got huge followers. They got millions, five million, ten million TikTok followers. They haven't figured out how to monetize their platform. So the people with the influence can't monetize. The people that have the money, they don't have the influence, so they work with each other. So the corporation will pay an influencer a couple of pennies and the influence is just happy to get a check. But very few people have influence and money. Now, when you have the influence and money, now that changes because now you don't necessarily need the money. So it's like if you're building your platform, understand that there's a big difference between making money and growing your followers. They can be related or they cannot be related. If you don't have a strategy in place to actually monetize that, you're just going to be a million followers and, and no money in your pocket. That's not a good feeling because now they're going to see you and they're going to see you on a train like, yo, bro, you just was going viral. What happened? Yo, what happened, yo? Yeah, I mean, to, just to add to your point, too, is like when you don't need it, it adds leverage, right? So you don't have to take the decision. As an artist, you don't have to sign the contract, right? No, no, I don't need you, right? I, I'm making money on my own. But I, I want to talk, because you, you, you talked about growing and working records, right? And so I want to talk about two records, and probably the first one that I guess we kind of got introduced to was Pocket Full of Stones, right? So 
that's the first, but I think the biggest record, especially in New York, was Big Pimpin'. Right. And so, can you talk about that experience between those two timelines? I'm guessing like maybe 94 to almost 99, where it's like, you went from like, hey, we worked this record, and now we're, everybody in the world knows who we are. Yeah, well, Pocket Full of Stones, that was like a labor of love. Like, we were really, really passionate about breaking into the music industry. And so we did everything we could just to be seen and be heard in the space. And so Pocket Full of Stones for us is our first time realizing how to connect with the people that we're trying to reach. Like we made a song, we said exactly what we wanted to say. We were trying to reach a specific group of people with it and they, we reached those people, they received it well. Right? That's, that was it. We just wanted to put a record out and see if motherfuckers that we wanted to like it, liked it. Right? That was it. We never really we thought about making money, publishing, royalties, none of that shit. We just put a record out. We just wanted to see if, if we were any good, you know? As we got older, started signing deals and learning more about the music industry, we realized we had no idea what we walked into. So walking into a situation um, the way we did in 92 with Pocket Full of Stones is as green as you could possibly enter entertainment. Um, luckily... Um, we had, you know, a lot of good friends like Jay Prince, uh, people like E-40, you know, people who were, you know, very strong, independent um, owners, you know, give us a lot of game about how to survive on a day-to-day basis in the music industry, such as producing other records for people, doing features, um, staying on the road consistently, all that type of stuff, right? So we were novices and we were really lucky that, you know, one, that we just kind of skated by for the most part on natural talent. But then two, our record company ended up putting that song, the remix of Pocket Full of Stones, on the Minister Society soundtrack, which forever changed how movie soundtracks are done. Most people don't realize, before the era of Minister Society and Above the Rim and all that type of stuff, most movie soundtracks were done by one person. You know, one person would do the entire movie soundtrack, do the whole album. Minister Society was one of the first instances where a label took the charge. Like, the, the, the contract wasn't given to an artist for the soundtrack. The contract was given to a label. So the label used it as a marketing tool and promotional tool and basically just put all their artists on that motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? But at the core of the movie, the message that we were sending out and the world that we spoke to was exactly the world that the movie took place in. So our song, more than most songs on the soundtrack, actually made sense with the movie as opposed to everything else that was just put there so the record could exploit the opportunity. Fast forward to Big Pimpin'. Now we're older. Now we're educated. We're more savvy. We're more nuanced. We have the biggest opportunity possible presented to us. We're in the perfect position to take full advantage of the opportunity, right? Make the highest more money we've ever made on a song, put ourselves in front of more people than ever, ride the energy momentum of one of the hottest artists in the world, right? So not only are we, are, not only are we presented with the opportunity, right? We're able to accept the opportunity and capitalize off the opportunity. So once we were connected with such a huge hit record, immediately shows your shows that your bookings go up. The price for the bookings go up. You know what I'm saying? The places you get booked, go up. You go from playing regular nightclubs and maybe two, three thousand seaters to getting put on arena tours. Now you're playing basketball stadiums, things like that. Now, okay, now we're playing with merch, right? Let's start trying to take advantage of this merch because we're in front of more and more people. 
the more prepared you are for the opportunities in front of you, the more you can take advantage of these opportunities. And you never know when they're going to be in front of you, so you got to stay ready at all times. But as the saying goes, if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. That's a fact. That reminds me of uh, when Death Row did Above the Rim soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking like a couple of soundtracks. Even like the... Um the uh, Waiting to Exhale where the Face Records had everybody on there. It, it became the practice. Became the it became an outlet for labels to showcase talent yeah. on I, a grand scale. I gotta give y'all credit too, right? Because I remember watching the making of the video for Big Pimpin' and ever since I saw that, I'm like, I have to go to Carnival. So like, shout out to y'all because <laughs> that was epic. <laughs> that, was, that was different. As a boy from Texas going to the Caribbean to Carnival was uh, eye-opening. It, it was... I could imagine. It was Mardi Gras <laughs> but with way less clothing. <laughs> Let me ask you this before we wrap. Um, you're a professor at Rice University, taught an interesting class, hip-hop and religion. Can you talk about that? Yeah, um, without going too, too deep into it, because we'd be here for a whole other hour. Um, throughout the course of black history in America, from you know, post-slavery to modern times, um, music and religion has always been the way that people of color have communed, gathered, shared information, and engaged with each other. Once black people were no longer enslaved, um, they still weren't dealing with Jim Crow, and they couldn't, they couldn't be educated. There were so many things. So if you were black and you wanted to know things, you had to go to church. The pastor was often the most well-read, had the deepest library, and was privy to the most information. And so... For black people, if you wanted to know what was going on with black people, you went to church and got your information. Well, in present day times, for many people in black society, they still go to church for information. And even if they don't get their, a CNN level of information, they still get what they feel they need in order to get through life. So grandma goes to church every day, not to figure out what's going on in the Ukraine, but to make sure that, you know, to reinforce the idea that she worships a true and living God and that if I obey the rules of God and these blessings will hand, and, and will go down through my family and it will, it will all kind of peter down. But the reality is, is that it's not a perfect world that we live in. You know what I'm saying? And Sooner or later, we're going to have to put everything that we want on the line to get where we're trying to go. And the entertainment industry is going to try its best to get you to bear your soul for profit, but then also to manipulate you. As soon as they find out what you love, they're going to try to saturate you with that and make sure you have an abundance of it so that you're always sedated and numb to everything else that's going on. I encourage every young person in here to buck the fucking system. The only way this gets better for any of you is collectively through all of you. The only way we've gotten this far in entertainment and as a culture is because we stayed unified and we kept a strong message. Hip hop, like religion, is where many of our young people go to and get their information it's the, it's the space in which they commune and gather and learn and live with each other. And for some people who have grown up in households or environments and where they've had compromises in the worship process, 
Maybe they saw the preacher somewhere messing with a boy or a girl somewhere where he's not supposed to or driving around in a car that's really too nice for him with a ring that's really too shiny for them. And maybe they just don't get what they need from organized religious practices. So for some people, hip-hop does that for them. The people they meet, the places they go, the things they see, the activities they participate in through hip-hop culture helps them to actually contribute to society and be a better person. And so we talk about the parallels about what religion gives us, what hip-hop gives us, where religion guides us, where hip-hop guides us. And the notion is that religion is really supposed to help you answer the big questions in life. Who are we? Why are we here? You know what I'm saying? Does this life even make sense? And for some people, if they're Catholic, they just, they don't trust the church, right? You know, and if they're Baptists and they see the prosperity preachers, they don't trust the church, right? You know what I'm saying? But you'd be surprised how much faith people give to their DJ. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like when you go to a hip hop concert for, I don't know, just throw a name out there. Let's say Lil Baby, right? When we're all in that space, if we don't know nothing else about each other, we know we all love Lil Baby, right? So we can build on that. You'll be next to somebody at a concert and, you know, it'd be like, yo, this is my shit right here. Word, this is my shit. And then y'all both turn up right there and then maybe one person pulls out some weed and passes around. You know what I'm saying? And next thing you know, you got a friend. Y'all I'm finna go to the bar. Y'all want something? You know what I'm saying? That kind of a thing. Hip-hop did that. Hip-hop brought you to that space. Hip-hop encouraged you to be open to other people, to recognize like-minded individuals and not be afraid to communicate. That's helping you be a better person. That's contributing to society. And for some people, religion never did and could never do that in their eyes. And so that's what we just talk about is the parallels between the two, how they walk, um, how they walk together, um, how they walk in sync, and how they walk even when not together or in sync in the same direction towards the same goals. Man, I, I wish we would have had that class, right? I mean, look, we're having this conversation. Don't this feel like church? Right? Don't this conversation feel like church? Y'all are in the pews right now. Somebody passed the plate. Shit. That's that's the type of class we're not missing at all. I mean, extremely profound. One of the things that you've said recently, and I thought this was like one of the most profound things I've ever heard, is that it's tough to enjoy money when people know you have it. And I was like, ooh, that's a bar. Can you expand on that? Yeah, it's about being low-key, right? If somebody know you got $5 and they need $5, they're going to ask you for $5. Most of us have been in the room with multimillionaires and had no idea because they didn't have the signs of what money looks like. We didn't see the belt. We didn't see the shoes. We didn't see the chain or the necklace, right? So we just assumed they were just average nine to fivers. But you're never going to see Bill Gates with a Gucci belt. You're never going to see Warren Buffett with a piece and chain on, right? Because they're not about showing money. They're about making money. The more money you make, when you have a really good system of making money and bringing money in, unless you're just a show-off, you are going out of your way to keep as much of that money as possible. If you got a good thing, the only way to keep a good thing is to be quiet about a good thing. If you keep telling everybody you got a bad woman and she's all this and all that, they're going to go after your woman. 
If you tell your friends you got a fine man that got a good job and take care of you and take care of they are going to go after your man. Celebrate in silence. There you have it. May the church say amen. Give it up for the legend. Bun Pete, ladies and gentlemen. Incredible, incredible. My graduates from my school being Forbes. Bag drop. Bag drop. <laughs> a mic drop. Bag drop. Bag drop. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.